Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into a brand new edition of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, hello, I'm Mark Shinovsky. You know Stacey King and Timmy Whispers over there, who's rapidly becoming a fan favorite. To his family. That's the only people he's a fan favorite There's to people outside the hall. They want to meet oh Timmy Whispers. Uh, apparently, he hasn't spoken to my family. Oh, uh, whispers making fans all over the oh, world. There's, all no, over the there's place, no question about it. We got a special treat for all you Bears fans out there. We know that the the Bears are king in the city of Chicago. Jeff Joniak, the play-by-play voice, uh, you listen to him on the radio. They've switched from uh, WBBM to ESPN 1000 this year. Jeff's going to join us to talk all things Bears. That's coming up in a little bit. But you know, it's kind of the dead period in the NBA. But there's always a little bit of news that trickles out. The uh, Team USA training camp has started in Las Vegas. Steve Kerr has taken over from Greg Popovich at the head coach. And, Stacy, the team is really young. I mean, you don't see any of the perennial all-stars, guys like LeBron and Durant. None of those guys are playing. You're seeing guys like Anthony Edwards now is there, Jaron Jackson Jr., the next wave of NBA stars. You think they're going to have a tough time winning that World Cup because Team Canada is kind of loaded too? No, I don't. I mean, they, no. they've got some extraordinary young talent there. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards is getting ready to, to take off now. Right. This is a guy, I think, if his team has some success this year, if they made the playoffs, you know, the last couple seasons, if they can, if he can get them elevated to, like, a top five in the Western Conference, I think you're looking at this guy possibly being an MVP kind of player. He's taking over that team. It's not Carl Ta- uh, Towns' uh, team anymore. It's not Rudy Gobert's team. 
it's, it's the, the year of Anthony Edwards because he's an explosive player. Uh, you just listen to him talk. He, he really understands what this is all about. Uh, he wants to be great. He wants not just talking about it, but he wants to be great. And Steve Kerr, I was really excited about having Jalen Brunson as his lead, lead point guard. Brunson, of course, coming off a great season with the New York Knicks. He's a friend of the program. He was a guest on a past episode here of Give Me the Hot Sauce. Local guy, of course, went to Stevenson High School. Jalen Brunson is really blown up to becoming one of the elite players in the NBA. Well, I mean, listen, I, I've said this when he was at Stevenson. You know, they won state championships. He goes to Villanova. They win, you know, the national championships. He's the big reason why they do it. Uh, this is a guy who's been around the NBA game. His dad, you know, multiple years, 10, 12 years in the NBA. He's been around pros. He's been around pro coaching. Uh, you know, he really soaks up the game. He's a student of the game. And I think a lot of people, when he was coming out of Villanova, Mark, a lot of people were like, well, he's not athletic enough. He's not like, you know, a Derrick Rose or Russell Westbrook type of player. Who is? Like, there's not a lot of players like that. But if you get a guy who's a winner, a guy who's a proven winner at the highest level, one national champion, high school championship, McDonald's All-American. There is something to be said about that. You know, and teams, you know, sometimes teams pass on those kind of guys because, you know, it's like you're shopping for a car. It's like, okay, do I want to get, you know, a Toyota Corolla that's, you know, that's, that's more affordable that also can get me to where I need to go, save gas, or do I go for the Ferrari that has a Toyota engine? You know, so they pass on some of these guys, and these guys turn out to be very good players, and then you hear all these, oh, I wish we would have drafted them. So uh, you just got married, too. Just got married a couple weeks ago. So congratulations to my yeah, man, JB, absolutely. a friend of the program. But, yeah, he's solid, man. He, he's solid. He's starting. He should have been an all-star this year. Yep. He should yeah, have should've. been an all-star. That, mm -hmm. was, that was really terrible that they didn't put him on there. He should have been an all-star. He was one of the reasons why New York played so well because if you remember, New York – Two years ago, New York was the darling. Oh, New York, you know, they were in the playoffs, top four team. Then the next year, they're terrible. And then you had the, you know, you had uh, Evan Fournier lost his starting position. They traded Kimball Walker, got rid of him. And so there was a lot of dysfunction in the Knicks. And they were even talking about firing Tom Thibodeau. Then you go out and get this kid, re-sign him. I mean, re-sign him, bring him to New York. His dad's on the, on the coaching staff. Dallas still hasn't recovered, even with Kyrie Irving. That, I mean, they really undervalued how important Jalen Brunson was to that team, especially when Luka was out with injuries. He, he basically saved them in the playoffs and was able to get them to the Western Conference Finals when Luka was out. So I think they miscalculated how good he was, and they you know basically thought they could bring anybody in to fill that role. They went and got Spencer Dinwiddie from Brooklyn, brought him in there, didn't have the same kind of impact that Jalen had. So at the end of the day, man, like I mean, this kid is showing everybody that he's an elite player in this league. Yeah, the, the World Cup gets started later this month. Uh, they're playing in the Philippines and, and another location. Uh, one of the backup big guys is Bobby Portis, the former Bull. So Bobby Portis, uh, you know, he won a championship in Milwaukee, and it's nice to see him getting some recognition. Well, and, and you know, the way it is right now, a lot of the star players are not playing in these these prelim games. You know, when it's time for the Olympics, watch how many guys show oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, also most Their of brand these, will yeah, demand it. Yeah, their brand will <laughs> demand it, and they want to be in the limelight. So they're going to push all these kids who come out here and work their ass off to, to play in these summer games to get them an opportunity to win the gold medal. And, and then all of a sudden the superstar player goes, yeah, I think I want to play now, which is crap. Right. If, if you're Steve Kerr and you're Team USA, listen, if I send you an invitation you tell me, no, nah, I don't want to go, and don't come calling me later on asking, hey, I want to go win the gold medal. No, Sounds like one that. of Tim's cookouts, but yeah, the, oh, the invitation yeah, yeah, never yeah. comes. The invitation never comes. <laughs> I don't comes. send out invites. Yeah, no, he didn't. <laughs> you don't call no, anybody either. You don't either. call anybody. Yeah. Nope. No, no, unless you unless – I just you, show up late myself. Unless he asks you to work the, work the event, you're not going to hear from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
One of the things I saw in social media this week was a list of the most overrated players in the NBA. And amazingly, oh. they had DeMar DeRozan fifth. And DeMar sent a quick tweet back saying more of this BS. You know, I mean, you know what, why, would they, why would they? You know what? Listen, man. Like, <sighs> America. It's ridiculous. America. First of all, the people who are putting these things out are guys who never played the game. Right. That's number one. These are guys that live in their mom's basement and they're eating Pop-Tarts, okay? <laughs> Mom, give me another Pop-Tart! You know, it's that's that guy. Done. You know, that's that guy. And for them to sit up here and make those comments about people is a joke. You know what I'm saying? If you ain't played the game, if it's Dr. J or, you know, some, you know, Dominique Wilkins or Michael Jordan, guys who played the game are coming out with these different opinions of players, that's one thing. Right. Shaq, you know, Charles Barkley. But when you get these guys who never played the game, you know, who are, you know, basically, you know, uh, basketball player groupies, and they, they put out this stuff because, you know, social media, you put anything out on social media, they're looking to go viral. So by putting DeMar Rosen, who's been one of the most consistent players, especially in the Bulls uniform the last couple of years, uh, he's been playing at an all-star clip, two all-star games. He's one of the main reasons he doesn't miss games. The guy plays 75 to 76 games a year. And how can he be overrated? Right. You know, you want to overrate somebody, overrate Zion Williamson. You know, overrate those guys who don't show up, who are not accountable, and, and they're not available. Guys missing 40, 50 games. I don't see their name on the list. But you, you're going to come at a guy who's a two-time All-Star in the Bulls uniform, who shows up every night and plays, hits big shots. He, he doesn't take a lot of threes, if any, and he's still one of the elite players in his league. How, how many – when you talk about the worth of a player, Mark, how many teams would love to have DeMar DeRozan if you're a team that's on the cusp of winning? All of them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how is that overrated? If you're right. overrated, no one's even talking about you coming on the team. Right. No one's saying, hey, I want him on my team. But Number one in fourth quarter scoring in 21, and last year he was third in fourth quarter scoring. And, Clutch, yeah. and yeah, he's the number six. one shooter in the two-point range right. by, mm-hmm. by a landslide. You know, and, and that's with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, LeBron James. He's ahead of all these guys on two-point shots. But, again, you know, when you're making these assessments of a guy – you know, some of these guys just have no idea what they're saying, and they just put it out there to try to get go viral. You know, and it's a shame that you you, you know you put a guy like that who was his whole career has been about you know playing a certain way and playing at a high level, and you put him on there. That's terrible. Well, they had Demontis Sabonis as the most overrated player, number one. All he did last year was make the All Star team, lead a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in 16 years to the postseason, and uh, led the league in double doubles. That's what I'm saying, Mark. Like. The, the, these lists, like, I, I'd be interested to see who all the lists is. I, I just saw, I, I just really only saw those two names. And I just Yeah, Dylan Brooks like, yeah. was on there, which okay, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, He's overrated. Okay, yeah, <laughs> Dylan Brooks overrated, okay? He walked into Houston with a mask on and said, stick him up. I'm getting $84 million, okay? He, just, he might have just been playing for the Gong Dong Ducks or whatever they were. <laughs> the Long Dong Ducks. <laughs> playing for Yao Ming's team, yeah. He's overrated. Okay, oh, Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson. I love Zion Williamson's athletic ability, but come on, man. Come on. The, the, guys, the guy spends more time on the internet than he does playing on the court. So <laughs> how's that not overrated? You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's overrated right there. There's there. a lot of guys that are overrated, but uh, DeMar DeRozan no. and DeMontis Sabonis do not no. belong on that exactly. list. Exactly, no. Stacy, one of the other things you mentioned that was interesting was the league sent a memo to all the teams saying that, uh, you know, if, if you've got players that are publicly requesting a trade, or their agent, there's going to be discipline coming. That all comes, of course, from 
Damian Lillard and his agent saying that he will only go to Miami, and if other teams try to trade for him, you better be careful because he might not show up, and if he does, he may not play to his full ability. And then everybody kind of backtracked a little bit after the league decided to look into this. Well, let me tell you something. The league said enough of this. I'm yeah. smacking somebody on the hand. Okay, you're going to go where we tell you to go. You're going to do what we tell you to do. Okay, you're making 200 and something million dollars. And that's why I say the teams have to start getting control of their players. Because if you got four years left on your deal, I'm not trading you, Mark, unless yeah. I'm getting something in return right. that's worth, that's going to help my franchise. Because as we talked about this, I think, last week, when a guy like that who's, you know, I know he's 30-something years old, but he's still a generational talent. He's still a big-time player in this league that can get you to another level with other stars. But I'm not just sending you because you want to go to Miami. That's like waking up, you know, you know, in, in, you know, us working here in Chicago. It's cold. And I tell the Bulls, like, hey, you know, it's too cold here. I want to go to California. Right. You know, I want to go to, I want to, go to Miami. You say, no, this is where you work. <laughs> this is where you earned your money. They didn't hesitate to give you what you were worth all the times your contract came up. So now you have to honor your contract. And I hear people all the time saying, well, you know, Portland owes him, owes him. You know, Portland owe him jack. He, they, they paid him. They gave him $250 million. They made him one of the highest paid players right. in the game. They don't owe him anything. What, they, what he owes them is, is to be professional, which he's always been in his career, which is this is where agents get involved. The player lets the agent talk for him. And then it puts the foot in the player's mouth and makes the player look like he's, you know, malcontent, ungrateful. Damian Lillard's not like that. He, he's a stand-up guy. He's been one of the guys for many years complaining about guys teaming up and, you know, making super teams. He's always been that guy. And now you kind of let your agent make you look hypocritical because now you're saying, well, I, you know, I can't win here. I need to pair up with Bam and I need to pair up with Jimmy. Now you want to do that. So you kind of yeah. look hypocritical. Stand on 10 toes. Stand on what you believe in. You know, if you want to be traded, if it can work out and Portland can can benefit too, because you don't want to you don't want to burn any bridges. You know, they have a good relationship. So if I can send you somewhere, Damon, where we can get something back in conversation, we'll we'll do that. But Miami right now doesn't have anything worth making a trade. I mean, you might as well. You know, Miami's trying to trade for some uh, you know some uh, juju beans and some uh, <laughs> some Doritos, <laughs> okay, some Doritos for Damon Lillard. Ain't nobody going nobody gonna do that. Right. It's now. gonna it's gonna take a while for this to be. Uh, all resolved, but I, my guess is eventually Damian Lillard will wind up where he wants to be with the Miami Heat. I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, our buddy Jeff Vukovic. When it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance. That's nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic. You can reach him at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. I know he's looking forward to yes. the upcoming Bulls season, as is Stacy, And he's got the best jingle in the business. Yes, he does. Tim, hit it. What? Hit it. I want to hear the jingle. Oh, man. All right, let's do let's this. Let's do it, buddy. Let's do it. Do clock's, it. Clock's ticking. Nation. All right, stop. It's I, over. No. It's over. It's I really terrible. tried. It's over, man. I really sorry, tried, sorry. everybody. No, I'm sorry. It's over. It's over. I took I, a big I, breath and everything. I had to take it away from America. I tried. America, it was horrible. Nationwide is on yours. Okay, oh. if you don't stop, okay? I'm Michael Jackson, your Tito. That's throat punch. I'm, I'm Michael Jackson, your oh, Tito. Tito. I thought we were harmonizing. No, Tito no. doesn't come on until I tell you to come on. Once I moonwalk off the stage, Tito comes on and he plays the guitar. Okay, so I'm going to do it again. Nationwide is on your side. All right, Tito, go out there and play the, go out there and play the guitar. Give me a tissue. <laughs>
<laughs> a little Barry White flavor. Oh, yeah, in there. yeah. That I got to mix it up nice. sometimes, Mark. Nice. Mix it up. Mix it up. Hey, you know, we don't talk a lot of baseball here on Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast only because both of Chicago's teams stunk for most of the year. All of a sudden, the Chicago Cubs are making a run. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. They recently had an eight-game winning streak. They've won 10 of their last 12. They're only three games behind the Cincinnati Reds in the National League Central. They got a chance to make the playoffs. And their president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, listened to the fans and members of the media said, you're a big market team, act like it. They went out and made a trade for Jamer Candelario, who got eight hits in his first two games <laughs> against, against the Reds. And all of a sudden, they've, they've scored 36 runs in the last two games. It's fun times again at Wrigley Field. Yeah, it is. It's been a surprise because most of the year they you know, haven't really played well or played up to their, their capabilities. But it's good to see them. It's, they're making a run. You know, now it's interesting because you're starting to get into the late part of the season where every game is going to count now. So, you know, if they can continue this little ride and, and, you know, it's all about winning series. You know, baseball is totally different than most sports because, like, football, you got one game. Basketball, you got one game. You're off to the next city. You got to go focus on winning series. You know, you win two out of three. You know, that's that's the goal is try to win series when you play these teams. And if they can do that the rest of the way, Mark, I – you know, you, I mean, Cubs fans got to be excited because they have a point. You know, this is a big city. You shouldn't be playing like it's a small market right. city. You know, spend some money. Come on, man. Marcus Stroman has uh, been struggling lately. His last seven starts, his ERAs are about nine. He went on the in injured list with uh, <laughs> hip inflammation. Nine? Yeah. yeah. Really? His last seven starts Four after nine. being the league leader in earned run average. Damn. They got to get him right if they're going to make a run at the postseason. I feel confident going up there batting against him. <laughs> 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 Where's the bat rack? Stacy wants to take yeah, a cut. Go, hey, hey, Marcus Stroman, baby, I think I can go up there and get a hit off you. Nine, you for real? Yeah. Oh my! Right. But they, man, but they I destroyed. Gotta a, a, let me tell you, I gotta get in the batting cage. What's that man. pitcher's name? Blake Lively. Hey. Yeah. Uh, the guy. Yeah. The, the actress. <laughs> That's what they're calling him now. Blake Lively. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ben Lively. Oh, ben Lively. Because ben you, Lively. Did you see what his ERA turned into from one game? What is? Yeah, it, it went from three seven to five two. So Ooh. that's, that's, I, that's I might, You know what? Listen, listen I'm, I'm going to take my chance against Stroman. He, he gotta, he I think gotta, you'd like to face Blake Lively more. Listen, <laughs> hey, all I'm going to say is, all I'm going to say is, listen, listen. I'm like MJ. Don't throw me a curveball. Yeah. Just give me heat. You give me heat, I might be able to, I might be able to park that sucker. Seriously. Whispers, I mentioned the fun times returning at Wrigley Field. What's the most beers you've ever drank at a Cubs game? Oh, Jesus. I, well, this was years ago. We used right, to give yeah. you the plastic cups and we'd yeah. stack them up. Yeah. My brother and I got to about 17 each in a game. No, you up. didn't drink seven. Oh yeah, we carried beers. them out. Yeah. How did you get home? Oh man. Well, drove. We, we were just warm. <laughs> we this guy drove. <laughs> we were just. <laughs> Mark, we were just warmed up. We're exposing Mark. Statue hey, hey, limitation. How's that mean? No, it ain't. No, it ain't. We were ready for me. Murphy's after remind that. Remind me never get in the car with him. Oh hell so, no. So you went to Murphy's after because seventeen right. wasn't enough. And then drove home. <laughs> I, hey, listen. I'm gonna tell you something. I've been around this guy, Mark. This guy got a cast iron stomach. That, that, that damn Irish family, the yeah. Kellys, boy, they can drink, boy. Woo-wee. 17 at the Man, game. And then 17. we went to the bar. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they let us in for free because when they saw those 17 cups stacked up, they're like, damn, these are professional. These, these, guys are Mark, for, these guys aren't fooling this is, around. Listen, he's a professional drinker, okay? <laughs> I'm a professional analyst. He's a professional drinker. Okay? I get a new drop uh, for that guy. Yeah, yeah he's professional, a professional drinker. drinker. Uh, we, we should mention the White Sox before we move on. Uh, their general manager, Rick Hahn, decided that this season has gone completely in the Damn toilet. It. So they traded six pitchers away, oh. including starters uh, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. Oh. And the worst news coming out of the South Side was, oh, was about uh, – Tommy John surgery yeah. with uh, – Yeah. 
Yeah. Liam Hendricks, who of course Liam, he had back the well-publicized battle with cancer, and he got back to, to playing, and then all of a sudden the elbow started hurting, and you hadn't heard much about him. Man. They were hoping to get him back, and then yesterday the news came out that uh, he had to go undergo Tommy John surgery. Not only will he miss the rest of this season, the expectation is he'll miss all of 2024. So oh. we certainly wish him the best in his recovery. But man. this has been a you know a snake eye season for the White Sox. Listen, man, you know we we talk about this all the time in professional sports. You know the injury. You can't guard against injuries. The Bulls have had it, you know. It's all, and I always, I always joke about this, but it, it's starting to become reality, man. Somebody's got a voodoo doll. Like, yeah. you know, it's two years Bulls in a row in for way. them. Yeah, I mean, they, they start with so much promise. You know, everybody talks about this team, the White Sox being a team that can contend for a title. But, man, a month into the season, they're missing their key players. They, they find themselves behind the eight ball. It's just so sad, you know, especially, you know, losing, you know, that pitcher. You know, he's battled back from, you know, cancer, which is a great story. And right. then all of a sudden, you know, now he's out for possibly next season, too. You hope, you know, a speedy recovery. But, you know, then they're starting to get rid of their players. You know, they're starting they got to get rid of a fire lot of them, sale. Yeah. You know, they buy one, get six free. They did pick up some good prospects, but I know White Sox fans don't want to hear about the fact that they're going to go into a rebuild once again. Hey, Tim, I'm giving you a one-minute warning to get your buddy uh, – Ready? Your buddy out. So uh, I don't want you to feel like I jumped on. I jumped a gun. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, dude. So you got a one-minute warning uh, here. Right. I just want to get Stacy's take on this thing. You know, one of the trades they made, they got a couple minor league pitchers back from the Dodgers. They also got Trace Thompson for the third oh. time. For the third time, Trace Thompson is a White Sox. And I remember the first time he came in, I'm thinking, well, maybe he's going to say how much he likes Chicago and he'll convince and get his, his brother, brother Clay. But that 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 no, ship, that ship sailed. sailed. Yeah. Come on, man. Listen, what a, what is this a rummage sale? Just like going to a garage sale, like I don't think I'll take that trace right there. Trace, come yeah. on, I'm gonna buy that. And then it's and then the next thing you know, it's sold somewhere else again. <laughs> Get it again. I, I listen. I thought he's a pretty good. He's player. He's not a bad player at all. I thought he's a pretty good player, but I, I, you know, listen. At the end of the day, man, you know they're they're struggling right now. They got to find a way. They got to make a choice. Are we gonna rebuild? Are we gonna keep you know adding pieces and, and thinking that we're gonna you know that we're gonna be able to turn this around? Um, you know, because I like to see them win. I like to see I like to see both teams win. It's it's good to see the Cubs come out of their little you know their little uh, slow spell, and now they're making it interesting. Yeah, Cubs be, have a chance. Listen, it's, and listen, Chicago's going to be fun this this year. I'm just telling you right now. You know, Cubs are starting it right now. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks are going to be fun to watch with all you know with all the new young players they have. The Bulls are going to be a, a team to watch and be a lot of fun. And I'm really anxious to watch the Bears because I think the Bears are going to be much better than what people think. I think personally, you know, eight and eight, you know, getting to 500 is a realistic goal. But there's some people that think they're going to win more games than that. And I think the division is up for grabs. I mean, you know, I think if you're the betting favorite is, you know, Detroit and then Minnesota. But after watching that quarterback show, I'm not counting Cousins out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? You like that? <laughs> yeah, don't count the Vikings like out. They always seem to hang around. Trace Thompson, by the way, made his uh, debut for the third time with the White Sox this afternoon. They lost again to the Texas Rangers 5-3. to Trace Thompson 0-4 with three strikeouts, and I'm sure his brother was watching somewhere, or maybe not. Yeah. So, Christopher Walken, are you ready to, to sell yeah. some hot sauce? Yeah, I mean, we got some good news, too. We're doing the live show next week, and we're bringing some sauce for the people who got their lucky tickets. Where's the live show going to be? Tell all the folks. It's going to be at the Blue Cross is that what they call it? It's an insurance company that sponsored this? <laughs> Blue Cross Blue Shield? I know. Illinois? That didn't help anybody, but anyhow. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no, we're going to be at the SCORE Studios, our good partners at Odyssey. That's right. And we're bringing some sauce, and it's still on sale online. And I couldn't believe it. Over the weekend, somebody did use the code. 
I mean, there was a bunch of orders, but we you got one free over. bottle out. Yeah. It's like I mean, winning an Academy Award, isn't it? It's yes. like they don't know how to spell walking. Oh, my God. Walking Q, walking fire. It's kind of easy to get a free bottle. Just go to gimmethehotsauce.com and put in the code for any order and get a free bottle. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm looking well, forward to that. I'm looking forward to next week. I, I, like, we're going on the road. Yeah. You know, we, you know occasionally we'll, we'll, you know, we'll pack up the, the gear and we'll go on the road and, you know, we get to go do it in the big studio. So I'm looking forward to doing that and uh, having some fun with, uh, with our traveling crew. Like a traveling circus, baby. We're coming to town, baby. We're coming Bring to town, the animals. baby. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun <laughs> seeing Mitch Rosen and all the good people over at the score. So we're going to take a break here. We mentioned the Bears. They're looking to be a, a very much improved team that for the upcoming season. We're going to visit with the play-by-play voice, Jeff Joniak. That's next on Gimme the Hot Sauce. Episode 140 of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast rolls on. It is now a pleasure to welcome in the play-by-play voice of the Chicago Bears, our good buddy Jeff Joniak. The Bears have made a change this year. They've gone from uh, WBBM to ESPN 1000 Radio, and Jeff, of course, will be calling all the games as he has for a long time, along with Tom Thayer. How many years has it been, Jeff? This will be 23. Wow. 23. 27 overall, pre and post game before that. So, yeah, it's been almost three decades. They're hard to believe. You guys do such a great job. You and Tom have have such great chemistry. I want to ask you a question, though, before we get into the Bears stuff. Uh, Do you remember the first time we met, the first event that we covered? It's back in 1990. Oh my gosh. We were both I young young memory. reporters who didn't know anything and were just happy to be in the city of Chicago. Horrible memory, so boy, well, let me uh, let me fill yeah, you in. It was in. it was at the old Chicago Stadium, but it wasn't the Bulls, it was the Blackhawks. I came to Chicago in oh, April man. of nineteen ninety <laughs> and they said to me, You're gonna cover the NHL playoffs and I'm like Oh, great. I've never covered a hockey game in my life. <laughs> so remember that the old stadium just had that small press box in the one end zone. So young guys like us who didn't have any clout, they stuck <laughs> us in a trailer out in the parking lot. So you and I met each other in the parking lot in the trailer, and then, then they let us inside to do some post-game interviews. I'm embarrassed that I don't remember that, Mark. But, boy, that is a heck of a long time ago. I think I was working at uh, Illinois Radio Network. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because 91, we got the network rights to do the Bulls game. So I did a pre and post game for the 91 Bulls. Oh, wow. With, yeah. So we it was throughout the state in the Midwest, but it wasn't heard on the flagship station in Chicago. So it was me and the board op was a guy named Tony, last name Leota, nephew of the late Ray Leota. Wow. <laughs> so Tony Leota was just a college kid, just happy to be doing this. And it was just he and I, the whole season, doing pre and post game. Then we go to L.A. for the finals. Nice. And Brian McIntyre, the NBA office, I was going to sit next to Jim Durham, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. we got a seat at the table. He goes, I don't have a seat for you guys. <laughs> so I had recruited Brian Wheeler, the former voice of the Portland Trailblazers, and somebody I work with at Sports Phone, because he loved the Lakers, loved the Lakers. So he came with me on the trip. They put us in the last row of the, the old forum. I mean, you guys were looking like ants down there, Stace. But we, <laughs> we did the whole thing. And I know I'm going on a tangent here, but and I remember the post game. Mark Greco was at the door of the locker room 
And all I know is we didn't have wireless back then. And James Jordan said he would protect my area, Mr. Jordan, <laughs> wow. late Jordan. And he was bringing players to me. Not Michael. I never got Michael in that postgame <laughs> show. It was me, Tony Leota in Chicago. Brian Wheeler was anchoring the coverage from the upper deck of uh, the forum. And I remember crawling on my hands and knees underneath Reverend Jesse Jackson had brought his people in to, to get everybody out of the way so he can get in. And Mark Jankreco turned me and said, don't move. You just got to get in there. Because <laughs> I would have never got in. Wow. True story. Hey, you know, the, it, it was really weird covering hockey. They sent me to Edmonton, you know, and I didn't know the protocols or anything. So I go to the game day skate, and, and the, uh, one of the reporters says to me, just call a guy over. He'll come and skate. He'll come skate over, and you'll do an interview right on, on ice. I'm like, we're in the playoffs. The guy's really going to do that. So I call over to Mark Messier, and he does. He comes over. You see the ice, you know, flying up in the air, and he does a, a, like a three-minute interview right at ice. And I'm like, these hockey guys are unbelievable. Nicest guys in sports. No offense to everybody else. <laughs> they can go beat each other up and, you know, give you a nice quote and a handshake after. Hey, let's yeah. talk some bears. Stacy, what do you got? Well, you know what? You know, what is, let's talk Justin Fields because, like, when you listen to the national guys, Jeff, you, they got some guys that love them, some guys that don't like them. You know, they said, you know, you got some guys that think this is going to be a breakout year for him. You know, he's got weapons to throw the ball to, uh, you know, with his dynamic running. Um, then you got some guys that say, you know, he's, he's not going to have a good year. He's a bust, yada, yada. Talk a little bit about how he's looked in training camp right now, and do you think he's ready to take that next step? You know, I really do believe he's ready to take that next step, and, and a big part of the reason is just what you touched on was the weaponry around him. The offensive line, hopefully, is going to be a lot stronger with the new additions, and uh, a veteran receiver like D.J. Moore makes a big difference for every quarterback out there, so... Uh, he's been great. Uh, the two of those guys together, the chem chemistry was almost immediate. I, I keep telling this story. It was during minicamp, or maybe it was an OTA, actually. Uh, it was a double move down the right sideline, and Justin put it out there, and DJ just missed it on the fingertips. And DJ was just sitting there watching where he should have been, what the landmark was, looking back at Justin. They talked about it after. It's that kind of veteran stuff that matters that maybe younger receivers don't take the time to do, and a, and a maturing quarterback did take the time to do it. I've I just seen since the middle of last season, I've seen a big change in Justin's demeanor. Certainly that dynamic running you just spoke of made a huge difference in giving him a, a chance to breathe a little bit and just be an athlete. And I don't want that to stop. I want it to be instinctive, though. Don't do it because, you know, you feel the heat and you got ghosts in your head and you feel you got to eject eject when it's there, and, and really put defenses on their heels. So the, the long answer is we'll see because training camp, we've only had two camp pad, padded practices. You don't learn a heck of a lot about the line of scrimmage until that continues. And we've got a long way before the first week of the season, a good five weeks. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, following up on Justin, it's kind of interesting. He's been getting a lot of national love. Uh, Mike Greenberg, of course, who started his career here in Chicago, went on the air and said he's going to be the next superstar quarterback. ESPN had him in their top 100 NFL players. And yep. it seems like everybody's thinking that this could be the year that, that he makes you know a jump, like similar to what Jalen Hurts did last year with the Eagles. Um, I know you said it's only been a couple of padded practices, but I, one of the keys, of course, is going to be an improved offensive line. Darnell Wright, their number one draft pick. They like Braxton Jones at left tackle. I know Nate Davis missed a practice with injury. 
What do you think about the offensive line? You think it's going to hold up a lot better than what we saw last season? Man, I hope so. I mean, uh, certainly the sack total was way up there. And, and Justin had uh, something to do with that, too, hanging out of the football a few times, uh, sometimes running for his life. So, you know, uh, a fifth-round pick did not have the pedigree to be a starting left tackle, and Braxton Jones impressed the heck out of me. Didn't miss a snap and uh, really cares about the game. So it, it's not a normal path. I mean, the last left tackle here was a seventh-round pick in Charles Leno Jr., so you know, it happens, but boy, he's, he's taken the road less traveled on this, on this regard. And so I, I, he cares about it. You know, he really cares about it. He got stronger in the off season here. Darnell Wright's a man. I mean, he's a man right now at, at the tender age of 23 or whatever. Uh, he looks, he looks the part. He's long, he's strong. Uh, he, he knows what he's doing out there and he rose to his level of competition in college all the time. If he knew he was facing a, a really good opponent, which you're going to face every week in the NFL. He just played a superior game, in my opinion, after watching all that tape. So Nate Davis, a vet, I like how he is as a run blocker. Uh, they ran a ball a lot in Tennessee. So what's he going to be like as a pass protector here? Again, wait and see. Cody, you can count on at center. I like having a veteran pivot there to kind of quarterback that offensive line. And then Tevin Jenkins just has to stay healthy at, at left guard. When he when he's right, he's an animal in there, and he's a big, big finisher. So I'll I'm expecting this team to still have balance. I know everybody wants an aerial show, but they led the league in rushing for a reason last year. There's a lot of good reasons why beyond just Justin. When, when you look at this team, Jeff, like what is a realistic goal that you look at seeing the team's record at the end of the year? You know, with, with you know Aaron Rodgers being gone out of Green Bay now, and you got, you know, Love coming out there, a new quarterback. You know, you got, you know, Detroit is, you know, really the team. I think Minnesota, both those two teams are still kind of the same. You know, what, what's a realistic goal for the Bears this year that you think would be a great season for them record-wise? Man, if they could get around 500 and, and somehow in a tight division, which is totally up for grabs, as you just pointed out, uh, I, I'm not certain it'll take, uh, you know, 10 wins to win the division if, if they beat each other up a little bit. I think it's going to be that hotly contested. I know on ESPN with Waddle and Sylvie uh, several weeks ago, I never make predictions on records. <laughs> I think it's a fruitless task, right? Who's, who's healthy when, you know, are you facing every great quarterback that's on your schedule? You know, uh, is the ball bouncing your way heading into the game week? Uh, but, you know, you start looking at the schedule, you can talk yourself into a lot of wins. But, you know, you do have to be realistic. But, I, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but they got me down 311. Okay. And I, I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's a little rich even for me, but anything's possible, Stacy. Anything's possible. I think the division... Is up for grabs, but like you, Detroit's got my attention for a yeah. lot of different reasons. Uh, but, you know, they started really poorly last year and came on strong. Have they learned how to win? You know, that that's the biggest thing for the Bears. They were in tight games. They really didn't get blow out, blown out. Uh, the Dallas game got away from them a little bit, but it was after a fumble that kind of let the floodgates open. They hung in games with the youngest roster, one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. So you still, in my opinion, have to learn how to win. Minnesota won a lot of close games last year. Can they still have that horseshoe firmly planted somewhere? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, they, they got rid of Delvin Cook. That's a head scratcher. And I'm not going to fall asleep. I know Bears fans don't want to hear this, but I, I just can't turn my back on that team up on, up north because uh, Love's been in the laboratory for three years. His general manager thinks he's ready to play. They drafted him for a reason, and they got eight or nine first-round picks on defense and a running game. So 
that's the love of this game here. You know, I'm getting deep in it, but the division, you got to win your division to have any conversation about anything else. So let's win the division. You mentioned the Bears uh, leading the NFL in rushing a year ago. David Montgomery went to a division opponent with the Lions. Uh, maybe for our audience, you can kind of break down the guys that are competing for playing time there, and how do you think that's going to shake out? I think it's going to be a by-a-committee approach, and they certainly are going to run the football. That's in the uh, DNA here of this team right now. Uh, of course, Khalil Herbert had a terrific year last year, led the NFL to 5.7 yard per carry average in his touches. He, he just has a burst and some uh, long break speed that uh, break long speed that I really think is something they could uh, take advantage of here with the attention paid to other parties. Now that they've added DJ Moore and Chase Claypool's here and uh, Cole Komet is another year better. Um, I'm really excited about Roshan Johnson. He's the fifth round pick out of Texas. I, I, I sat with him for 45 minutes uh, right after minicamp, and man, was I impressed with this kid. Talk about a kid who wants it and, and does not, he has the humility to understand what he's getting into, but he also has the belief in himself that, you know, when he's committed to something, he's committed to something. He could have left Texas and been a starter on many campuses in the NCAA. Played behind uh, Bajan there from uh, Atlanta and did not transfer. And that's a, a quality that I'm really impressed with. But really talented player. Really talented player. Every scout that I've talked to in the building and outside the building loved that kid. Uh, and then you got, you know, a, a powerhouse. Last year he was tearing it up. Deontay Foreman had a nice season there in Carolina. Uh, he's kind of the thunder, uh, and we'll see if, if these guys can be the lightning. And then Travis Homer came aboard from Seattle. He's a good special teams player. Tristan Ebner's still there, too. Uh, a lot of these guys, I want to find out how they catch the football, too, because that'll be big for Justin, these short, short passes that turn into chain-moving first downs. Talk a little bit about the job that, that uh, GM Ryan Poles has done. It, it seems like since he's come in, Jeff, that he's trying to change the culture and getting these guys into a winning mentality, come work hard every single day. Um, and it just seems like you, you watch, you know, you listen to Justin Fields. It just seems like he's he's taking that, that baton and he's becoming a leader, you know, uh, orchestrating, you know, some some one-on-ones with his receivers in Florida or, and, and getting everybody together, showing that leadership. Talk a little bit about Ryan Poles and the job he's done. Well, I got to say it's in concert with the head coach, Matt Eberflus, because I do believe they changed the culture immediately. <laughs> they had expectations. They set them out, uh, Matt Eberflus said. And now, granted, comparatively to what my broadcast partner, Tom Thayer, did back in the day in 2020, or 22 straight days in pads and double days and, uh, you know, 10 10s after practice in the heat of Platteville, Wisconsin, it's not the same as it is now, but Iberflus told those guys it was going to be the hardest thing they ever did was to buy into their principles, and that is the hustle and the intensity of practice, and they do. They, t they get a lot of miles on those cleats of practice, even though they're not wearing pads every day and they're not doing double days. Practices are a lot shorter than they used to be, uh, just about an hour and a half, two hours tops, and those are rare. Uh, but if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to run to the ball, you're not going to put in the effort, you're not going to be on the team. And I think with a young team, you set the standard then. Now that class is telling the new class, and it's just going to keep building that way. So in terms of polls, he wants, and I love this because, uh, Stacy, in this town, uh, you just you kind of have to reflect the toughness of the city. Yes. And as a Bear fan and, and Bears fans here for eons have adopted this, you know, we're going to play nasty defense. We're going to make you hurt. 
If you, if you beat us, great, but you're going to feel it. You're going to have a hard time the next week. I'm big into checking when teams play the Bears, what's their record going to be the next week? And I like adding those up over the course of time. See how what kind of punishment are you delivering, making it hard on the opposition. And then, you know, just make off, make defenses feel you offensively, too. And that means, you know, a rugged run game. So I think that's what Ryan wants, and that's what Matt Eberflus wants. I know we got this dynamic young quarterback that's a part of the new age, and that certainly is going to fit here fine. But um, the mentality's got to be one of, hey, we're going we're gonna to make it a long day for you no matter what the outcome is. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. I really love the addition of the veteran linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. We had Dave Wanstead on the show recently, and, and he just raved about the kid from Miami, Tyreek Stevenson. He thinks he's going to be a real oh, yeah. impact player in the league. You know, so much that they're going to move Kyler Gordon to, to slot corner. What do you think about the defense? I know that Poles is still kind of looking around for a veteran edge rusher. How's that unit uh, stacking up? You know, I can Stacy put his hand in the dirt and uh, <laughs> fire off on the edge. Hey. You still got a little something. Oh, baby, I'm going to stand up in, baby. I want to I wanna stand up so I can get an edge. <laughs> Stacy, did you ever play football? Yeah, I did. Oklahoma. I'm from Oklahoma originally. You know, you, you yeah, had no. pads as soon as you were uh, born. <laughs> okay. What position did you play? I played well. That's when I was a lot lighter. You know, I played wide receiver, safety, uh, defensive end. I played. I was pretty pretty much everywhere. Nice, nice. Well, you got the, you got the frame, no question about it. Um, listen, I, I let me start at the back end first. The secondary, I think, is really going to have an impact. What Jaquan Brisker, number nine, is doing back there right now. He had one hell of an interception the other day. I was standing right there on the sideline to see it. Uh, came out of nowhere, over the top, made a pick. Just a rare kind of play. Just got everybody fired up. They've been fired up from the time training camp started. They're young. They're hungry. They're dynamic. They got a lot of different types of players back there, and they bring the juice. They, they, they do. Give me the hot sauce. They yeah. bring the hot sauce. There you go, <laughs> Jeff. Way to go, Jeff. Way to work that, that, work that in there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> they bring the hot sauce. Uh, a different player this year, you just the way he's walking around and the way he's running around back there at nickel, I really love Kyler Gordon. Kyler Gordon's making plays. He's all these two guys also can blitz that you can do things with these guys. They're they're very athletic. Uh, Eddie Jackson patrolling the post. You know, that veteran influence. You we, we've heard him say he wants to have a, one of the best years ever as a safety, regardless of Bears, just NFL in general. He's hungry. And Tyreek Stevenson, you know, I'm going to call him a man as, as well, just like Darnell right on the opposite side. Just a feisty kid, gets up there in your face at corner, doesn't matter who he's up against, and he has a short memory, which you got to have as a corner. He just does not care. If he gets beat, goes back and makes a play the next snap. And that's that's the mark of a, a future great corner. Now, he's got competition. This fifth-round pick out of Minnesota, Terrell Smith, has given him a run for his money as well, and that's going to play itself out. But – and then Jalen Johnson on the other side. So it's a young secondary, young secondary that can make plays. You bring in these two linebackers, they've got championship pedigree to them. AFC championship games for Tremaine Edmonds, Super Bowl for TJ Edwards, who got here the hard way, undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin, led the Eagles in tackles last year, local kid, homegrown, loves being a Bear, loved the Bears back in the day, loved. And you can feel his passion already in practice. And the 6'5 frame of Edmonds is going to bring to mind a lot of Erlacher. They're different body types, though. He's, he's linear, long, big wingspan, 
can move sideline to sideline. And, you know, Justin's already admitted seeing him out there at practice is a little challenging. The one thing about Erlacher when he dropped in the same system, when he dropped, you know, quarterbacks tested it, but they stopped testing it after a while because Brian could get up there a little bit at 6'4", and it was hard getting that ball over the top, just clouding passing lanes. So I see that with Edmonds too. So those two guys immediately become the leaders of the defense. So I'm really charged up about the back seven right now. I really am. Well, my guy I want to know about, because I, you know, I play fantasy. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, I want to know what's going on with Chase Claypool. Like, what, what's his situation? I know he's been on that uh, physically unable to perform list. Um, and he's been kind of somewhat of a disappointment a little bit from the trade. You know, you hear a lot of people saying that they expected more out of him. He's got big time talent. Talk a little bit about him and what you expect out of him this year. Is he going to be a, is he going to be a guy that the Bears can count on to get, take some pressure off Justin Fields? I'm believing you will, Stacy, and I'm not just saying that because what I'm seeing at practice here and the pup list was a one day thing. You know, he was coming off a, a little cranky something uh, something injury wise, and they just had to make sure he was going to be okay, and he was. Um, he brings passion out there, man. There's one thing. Whatever people have evaluated him, how they evaluate him, I can only evaluate what I see and I trust my eyes. He brings passion to the table. He is physical at 6'4", 225, runs a 4'4". Uh, he made a catch the other day in practice. And, you know, he, he taunts a little bit now. That's good, right? He needs <laughs> yeah. some alphas on some the team. And, I know, like that. And he, he yes, yes, sauciness. He, he, he's pointing like, you guys aren't going to bring me down. If it were tackling, you weren't going to bring me down. And he was headed to the end zone. I, I love him working inside the 30. For the 50-50 balls, the fades to the end zone. But I also love him working out of the slot where he can help the slant and goes, which DJ Moore is doing, which Darnell Mooney can do, which, you know, I want to occupy the middle of the field more. And that's going to help your young quarterback, trusting who's there over the middle of the field and making things happen. Yeah, you got to work outside the numbers too, but I, I really I'm, – I'm just hoping because if, if the three of those guys – just like in the NBA, you got to have three, right? You got to yep. have three, three studs to at least have a, you know, talk about playoff contention. You know, three weapons like that is going to be impressive if they all reach their potential for sure. Hey, before we let you go, we got to get a, a Tom Thayer story. I mean, you guys have worked together for so long. Tom Thayer, of course, was part of that great offensive line under Mike Ditka. And I've heard you tell stories on the radio about it. He, he likes to rough you up every now and again. Now, oh, give, give our listeners know, I'm, I'm, a story or two. I'm the little brother he didn't have. You know, he had big <laughs> brothers, big sisters. He's the youngest. He's the baby of his big family out of Joliet. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I felt a few, you know, punches here and there. Got a little, uh, gets a little rough. But he's, you know, he's getting older like us, everybody. So, you know, he's not taking those swings quite often. No, he's, uh, he's, he's my best friend. Uh, it really is a brother relationship. And uh, to do it in the booth for this long, it's crazy. The first time I ever met him was at the old NBC Tower. Now, I take that back. I interviewed him as a, as a reporter back in those days. 85 Bears was the first uh, sporting, uh, well, MJ's rookie year in a game at, at the old Chicago Stadium was my first actual major sporting event to cover. I was in awe of covering a professional sport, but 85 Bears went to training camp. Uh, but the first time he shows up at NBC Tower when he became the color analyst with Wayne Larrabee and Hub Arkish, we're in a boardroom, and I had a Blackhawks jersey on, and he just starts in right away. The thing was, like, down to my ankles. <laughs> he goes, what is that, a dress? And he's just starting out in, you know, he just, 
that playfulness that became, you know, banter that continues to this day. He's always giving me a one-up. But, no, we've had a great time, man. Great time. Wish we had more wins. Uh, the thrill, of course, the 06 Super Bowl, but we just haven't had many playoff trips. So there's nothing like calling a game with him when every snap matters. You know what every snap matters when it's a big game and you're just dialed in and you can just see it on his face. I remember the Super Bowl when Hester brought back the opening kickoff. He smacked me on the rear end, and he turned to me, and he goes, Jeff, the game hasn't even started yet. And he was not wrong. And wow. uh, he just has that intensity as he did as a player. So I appreciate him. He's taught me the game. So I've been going to grad school like every five years here. I learned something new from him every day. Now comes the time to our favorite time of the show. Oh, where, yeah, yeah. We almost forgot Timmy Whispers over here. <laughs> oh, no, we, we didn't forget. Yeah, we, we always leave the last question to Timmy Whispers. <laughs> so just in case we have to mute his mic. Yeah. Yeah, some of the or the guest hangs up on us. Exactly. The guest hangs up on us. There's, there's yeah, nothing. So it's the Timmy Whispers show now. Go ahead and ask your no, question, No, just a couple Whispers. of quick questions. One is. Do I do have that option? Though? You, yeah, you have, have the option. You have that option. Just hit the end button. Is uh, what do you think about bringing in uh, some comps about the weather for the game and players? Since most people don't know that you wanted to be a meteorologist before a sports. I really did. I really did, man. Time I was in second grade. To this day, somewhere in the basement in boxes, I have photo albums full of cloud formations. I mean, I used to send. (laughs) I got cumulus clouds all over. Uh, Yeah, I just, I, I. I love the weather, but I couldn't pass calculus to save my life. So, you know, a couple F's and a couple D's, and I'm doing something else. <laughs> yeah, my sophomore year, uh, and and the first thing I ever did play by play was a Iowa State baseball. That's right. I'm a big eater. I'm a yeah. big eater. I'm a big eater. Uh, Iowa State baseball game because I tried to walk onto the Iowa State baseball team my freshman year, and the manager I, I got friendly, and I say, hey, can, "Can we actually call your game?" So I had my landscape architect roommate from Hersey High School. He was my color man. We both played baseball at Hersey. And the funniest thing, I, we were off. Like we're, he, was, he was charting how many pitches they were throwing, and I was just sounding like I didn't know what I was doing. But I, I caught the bug of play-by-play. So then I started doing Iowa State basketball. And in those days, Stace, we had a little Jeff Hornacek action, yeah. a little Jeff Brayer. Yeah. You know, we had Barry Sanders. Remember yeah. him? Johnny Orr? No, Here's no, Barry, no, Johnny. Barry Sanders. Now I got football in my hand. What, what was his name? Barry. Uh, oh, Barry. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Oh, 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 Barry Stevens. Barry Stevens. Barry Stevens. Barry Stevens. Yeah, you had, you had some. Yes, there were some good teams back there. I mean, you the know, they, they had a hard Orr time against the Sooners, though, Tom. Yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> Jeff, they had a hard time against Sooners. We used to spank them in uh, Iowa all the time. And, uh, yeah, you did. I used to get a kick <laughs> out of it when they, bring, when they bring Johnny Orr out. And they'd bring him out to the Tonight Show. Here's Johnny. Don't Remember that? That was the coolest wow. thing. Stacy, what year did you get out of there? 89. I was there from 85 to 89. Wayman, you probably saw you saw Wayman's uh, team come in there. Uh, Wayman yeah. Tisdale, yeah. the late great Wayman Tisdale. Yeah. We came in when I was there. Yeah, Jeff Greer was his. Uh, my junior, my junior year was Jeff's senior year. So I miss. I, I played against Hornacek as a freshman. That group of uh, guys as a freshman, and uh, yeah, we used to we used to put it on them. Yeah, <laughs> they were we, fun. They yeah, were fun. that was a hey, that was some fun times in the Big Eight. There was a lot of good teams. Cool. I mean, we would send probably six teams to the tournament every year. Very competitive. You know who I couldn't stand? Who? You know who I couldn't stand? They walked in. 
I could not stand. And then I covered the NBA for all those years, you know, and Steve Stepanovich and, you know, the Mizzou crew. Oh, oh, Norm. Oh, Norm Norm. Stewart. When he, he just aggravated me to no end. I want (laughs) to beat Missouri so bad. I still have tapes, cassette tapes somewhere, Big Tim. What do you call him again? Timmy Whispers? Yeah, Yeah, Timmy Timmy Whispers. Whispers, Timmy Whispers. I got, I got tapes, man. I, I was awful, but I did call some fun Iowa State basketball games back in those days. And, I used to have to interview Johnny Orr. I worked at Iowa State at the information service, they called it, and we, we did interviews on many topics, news, sports, whatever, and then they sent it out to the state networks. And, and boy, some days I didn't know what I was getting into, right? So I'd get to his office, and he'd have his back to me. And I just sat there like a, a little kid. I'm like, waiting. Coach, are you ready to go? And you could tell if he had bad practice or not. He was in bad mood. And one time there was a guy uh, – I can't remember now. I didn't see him on the practice floor, so I, I start the interview. I coach so and so wasn't in practice. That's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> That's none of your business. But he's been suspended, and he he brought it was big news. But he was mad about wow. it. Oh my god! Yeah, he's he Sorry, was one Jimmy. of the nicest. He was one of the nicest coaches. Uh, both him and uh, Lon Kruger that that we played against. They're really nice guys. You know, I couldn't stand Larry Brown. Larry Brown, I couldn't stand when really? he was in Kansas. No, Larry, Larry Brown recruited me at, at, from Oklahoma when I was I was in high school, and he told me he when he came in, they brought you know brought Danny Danny Manning's dad Ed Manning in there. They brought Bob Hill. They brought all their R.J. Buford. All these guys coming to my house, and the first thing he tells me, he knows that I'm thinking about going to Oklahoma, and so he tells me he says, Hey, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a straightforward guy. If you go to Oklahoma, we're going to kick your ass every year. And we're going to win a championship in Kansas. We got a guy here, Danny Manning, who's one of the top players in the country as a freshman. You could play alongside him. And he was kind of brash. You know, Jeff, so I was like, I don't want to go there. This guy's kind of cocky, you know, because I didn't like coaches who downplayed other programs. Yeah. And then when we played him in the national championship game in 1988 in Kansas City, they beat us. Danny and the Miracles beat us. And they, we shouldn't have gotten beat. We were 36-4. and four. And we were the best team in college basketball, but we didn't win. So at the end of the game, he's I'm, not bitter or anything. No, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bitter. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting at the scores table. I'm balling because we lost. You know, we beat them three times that year. And then he walks over to me, gives me a big hug. He said, "Man, I want to tell you, you're a hell of a college player." He goes, and he made me feel better. Then he hit me with a dagger. He said, see, but if you would have came to Kansas, you'd be playing for a national championship. I was like, oh, that's that's terrible. What, what, you, you butter me up, and then you stab me at the same time. Yeah. Oh, Larry Brown, I was uncalled for. Build you up to tear you down, Tear me buddy. down. Should have came to Kansas. You know. Should have been a Jayhawk. All right, Whispers, you got time for story. one more. Yeah, they have one other Wait, thing in common. Quick, one uh, more quick story. Hang on, because yeah. when I, I worked – so I also worked as an intern at the TV station in Ames, and Indiana came to town. Big news. Bobby Knight going to help out his buddy, former Michigan head coach, you know. So my news director says, uh, sports director says, hey, uh, I need you to go over to Hilton Coliseum and interview Bobby Knight oh. with Johnny. I go, what? I had no idea. I walk into a hornet's nest. Johnny, you are sitting there. There's like a spotlight on the court. No Bobby Knight. And he's laughing. Johnny's laughing. He says, hey. Just so you know, as soon as he sees you, he's, he's gonna he's gonna call you a bunch of names, which he did. <laughs> Bad names, Stacy. Bad names. He goes, he's gonna refuse to do the interview, and I go, well, that's just to be funny, right? He goes, no, no, no. He's not gonna be interviewed by a college junior, and talk. He's just not gonna do it. And sure enough, Bobby comes in there. He won't even look at me, and he's just, John, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do your show. And Johnny's just crying, laughing, and he walks off. Yeah, 
I got I, I went back to the TV station with nothing. Wow. I, got, I got shut out. All right, Timmy. Good, one last Timmy. one. I got to fly. Well, uh, the one thing you guys have in common is giving nicknames to players. I mean, back in the day, Devin Hester, ridiculous, Windy City Flyer. He's got Jimmy G buckets and a whole list of them. What are going to be the new names for uh, Justin Fields and some of these stars that are emerging on the Bears? It's all to be determined, my man. Exactly. TBD. It's it's organic. Like I'll be honest with you, and I, I've said this on many radio shows, I really had a hard time with Justin last year. When he started running, I had a, like a wait a half a tick because is he going to really go or is he going to throw it? And I, and I just and I just I had a hard time capturing those moments. So yet to be determined. Yet to be determined. Let's see what 2023 brings. It helps when you win. Yeah. You yeah. kind of get excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The flavor starts to come out, right? And it's so all instinctive. It's not something that you yeah. practice in the mirror and you, you know, I'm going to call this guy this day. It, you know, they earn nicknames. You know, people earn nicknames. That's right. how I tell people, like, with the Bulls, because, like, you know, they always, what nickname are you going to give this guy? What nickname are you going to give this guy? It's like it organically grows. It just grows into itself. Exactly. And I don't sit in front of a mirror going, the Windy City Assassin. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the hot sauce. Yes, he does. <laughs> you get ready to get throat punched. <laughs> Jeff, you've been a great sport for putting up with our nonsense. So we're going to send no, some of Stacy's cool. uh, signature hot uh, sauce hot your sauce way. Coming so, your way. So enjoy that. And uh, just you want to give a plug for the show you got coming up. It's Bears Weekly. When does that appear on uh, yeah, ESPN? Bears Weekly coming up at 6 o'clock tonight on ESPN 1000. Good Karma Brand Company. And uh, we'll have uh, a little Justin Fields interview I did with him that'll wear, and uh, a little Greg Cosell from NFL Films. I think he's outstanding at breaking down the game. We're going to talk about running backs. Nice. What is up with the running backs? Yeah, (laughs) man. Well, best of luck to you and Tom. Please give him my best. I remember uh, visiting with you guys over at the NBC Tower back when I was doing Bears stuff. So say hi to Tom for me. Best of luck this season. Hopefully a lot of wins. And we'll look forward to hearing a lot of touchdown, touchdown bears. There you go. Right out, right out of Mark's mouth. Hopefully I got a lot more. Jeff Joniak, our good friend. Thank you so much for joining us. And give me the hot sauce. And I know you guys are big fans of the combat sports. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the boxing or the UFC? (sighs) Well, let's talk about that UFC. I mean, a couple of those fights. I mean, Derek Lewis. Oh man. That was absolutely awesome. Taking out the number one guy. Yeah, Derek Lewis. Make sure seconds. you give the names, Tim, for people who don't follow yeah. it that closely. So Derek Lewis uh, just now took the record for the, Black Beast. the, the most knockouts in uh, UFC history. And he's had some crazy fights where literally in the last 15 seconds of a fight and limping on one leg, knocking a guy out. Um, so he had uh, against number one guy, the Brazilian guy. Um, uh, shoot, what's his name? His name. Yeah, you're on top of it again. Yeah, this guy's struggling big time today. <laughs> got, what about we'll the main events, Stacey? No, because I got too focused yes, on uh, yes. But the main event, that was fantastic. Just be quiet. Gaethje Poirier. Gaethje, Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier. This is a rematch. They had, they've already fought earlier. So this was the BMF, the baddest mofo in the game. And I tell you what, Poirier came out in the first the first bill. The first thing, and he was really, the first round was really taking it to him. I was like, oh, man, Poirier's going to win this. And then all of a sudden, in the second in the second round, Gaethje, who's known as a powerful kicker anyway, he always attacks the legs. And once you get done, once he hits you about four or five times, your leg turns into, like, hamburger meat. <laughs> and so he, he, he had a great game plan. He never high kicks. You never see him high kick. And so I think Dustin Poirier was not 
really accounting for that. He was, you know, too busy trying to protect his legs. Plus, Gaethje can fight, too. He can hit you with either hand and knock you out. He, in the first round, he did a high kick, and it didn't connect, but he set the tempo like this is what I'm going to do. Second, that second round came out. He fainted, and then all of a sudden, man, he damn near hit Poirier's head off over the, <laughs> <laughs> over the UFC fence. It was like a field goal kick. Look at it right there. And he almost blocked it, but as you can see, he didn't block it good enough and knocked him smooth out, man. And then, and then, so he's on the ground. And uh, Herb Dean, see Herb Dean right there. Slid Herb in. Dean looked like he was stealing third. He was running, he was running, <laughs> and he just slides and jumps on uh, on uh, Poirier, so he wouldn't get any more punishment. Yeah. But it was a great fight. Um, I was switching in between UFC and boxing. I'm a big boxer. Were, they, were those both pay per view? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, uh, oh, a lot of money going yeah, going out of the yeah. king. No, 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 no. Connections. <laughs> <laughs> we can help you out. I can't tell. I can't tell. I can't tell you what my connections are. Right, American, right. but I got Don't connections. Don't give that up. So, so we, we see Crawford and Spence. Okay, this is a big anticipated fight between two of the best welterweights uh, in the world, and these two guys have been posturing back and forth. Uh, they can never get a fight done, you know. And it's very rare in boxing. Now you're starting to see it more and more now. Boxers are starting to realize, like, in order to get paid, in order to get money, you got to fight fights that people want to see. And this is one of those fights. I think they generated 20, 21 million uh, off that fight. But this was a blowout. Like, this was a complete blowout. Like, I did not anticipate that Earl Spence was going to get, like, dog walked. Like, when I say dog walked, he got dog walked. <laughs> like, he got from the opening round, he started off the first couple of, the first minute of the first round, looked like himself. But he, if you watch the fight, he looked uh, drained. He did not look like Errol Spence. He didn't like, look like the guy that goes forward, that puts the pressure on you, that just beats you into submission. He did not look like that. He looked like he was extremely tired, dehydrated. I saw him come out of the first round telling his corner, and I thought I was the only one who saw it, but I hear a lot of boxing experts said they saw it too, where he came out and said he was tired. And that's very rare for a, a championship, a champion, to come out and say they're tired in the first round. Because if you're tired in the first round, you're not going to make it to the 12th. So <laughs> you might as well just go ahead and just, you know, get ready to get beat. Because I tell you what, Terrence Crawford fought a great fight. Terrence Crawford is arguably pound for pound the best fighter in the world right now. The things he did to Errol Spence, he made Errol Spence look like an amateur. And Errol Spence has been through a lot of wars. He's, he's beaten a lot of good fighters. So it was on paper – I think a lot of the experts said 50-50. It could go either way, you know, but they thought Crawford was the better boxer, the more technical guy. It'd be interesting to have Kendall in here to talk about what his, his take on it is since he boxes. He picks but, Spence. But, but when you look, at, you look at Crawford and the way he counterpunched, he's Southpaw. And, and, and Southpaw's gave Spence, who, who can also be is also Southpaw, gives Spence problems. And the movement and the angle changes that Crawford can do where you got a fighter like Spence who just keeps coming forward, and he's got a devastating jab. And the one thing that Crawford did was take that jab away. And once you took that jab away from Spence, what does he have next? What's their plan B? I don't think his trainer had a plan B. I don't think his corner man had a plan B. I think they thought they were going to – because they felt Crawford was a smaller fighter coming up from 140 to 147, and Spence was a much bigger fighter. Plus, he's been at 147, I think, five or six years, so he's been in the weight class. So I think they thought they were just going to walk through him. And then, like, two minutes in, I think he realized, like, it's going to be a long night for me. And if you see the highlights, I mean, he, he beat him up really, really bad, face swollen. You never see Earl Spence like that. And I saw one of his friends who grew up with Earl Spence in Dallas, Texas, 
and he was doing a on a you know doing a podcast, and he said it was really shocking to him because he said Earl Spence, I've known him since second grade, and Earl Spence has never lost a fight, street fight, boxer, never lost a fight. This was complete shock to everybody in the state of Texas that he lost the way he did. Yeah, I was reading that uh, some of the experts are saying that there's there's no need for a rematch. I mean, a lot of times in these great fights, you see two, sometimes three fights between top guys in their weight division. Why are they saying that it's not not a great idea to put these guys back in the ring? Well, because it wasn't close, and it looked yeah. like it looked like you know um, if you're looking at that fight, you're saying why would you want a rematch? Because the way you know Crawford dominated a world champion. This is like like he's not fighting some some guy coming up trying right. to win it, but he's right. fighting a legit guy who's got three or four titles. He's the unified welterweight champion. So you know he made it look easy when you when the fight was over. You know, Crawford had no marks on his face at all. It looked like he did. I mean, it was easy work for him. Now, I will say this. The people who are crawling no, you know, no rematches or whatever, totally wrong because Spence is moving up to 154. And I think it will be a much better fight for him at 154 compared to 147 because he had to drop. I think before training camp, they were saying he had to drop 30 pounds oh, that's, that's to get to the 147. Yeah. So that means he's walking around probably at 180. And then, you know, he's in the Texas heat. And then he's got to come to Vegas, you know, a month out of the fight in the Vegas heat. And he just looked depleted. When you watched him walk into, you know, when the fighters come in, and you could just look at his face, he just looked like he was either, he looked like he was high. Because, you know, Mike Tyson gave him some uh, edibles and some, some <laughs> stuff from his little weed factory. And so, you know, before the fight. And Earl Spence looked like he was high. Seriously. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying he was. But the way he looked, he just looked like he was tired. Like he, he already, you know, he already had that sleepy look anyway. But he just looked like he was really tired and yeah. didn't have any energy. And then you saw Terrence Crawford come in. He had Eminem walking in, you know, and it was just him. He didn't have a team full of people. You know, Earl had all these people walking in, rappers and all this stuff. And then you just had, you know, Terrence Crawford by himself, like a WWF WWE guy. He's by himself. He got this big fishing net on because you know, because uh, uh, Spence is known as the Big Shark. And then, so he had a net on his on his on boxing gear because he was going big fish, you know, big fish uh, right. fishing. So, and then Eminem walked him in, and you know, Eminem played "Lose Yourself." Oh, once he played that song, I was like, "If I'm any boxer right now, America, if I if I'm a boxer right now, I'm calling Eminem up and I'm saying, Eminem, I need you to walk me in, man, because I <laughs> I got hyped, I got hyped on the, I got hyped up in the couch watching Eminem play "Lose Yourself." I was ready to fight. Matter of fact, when I when I when I uh, go up to hit against Strowman. I'm gonna play "Lose Yourself." That's gonna be my walkout music when I come up to the plate. So you've Lose been warned. Look, 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 look at the hands. See, I'm getting the hands. Look at the forearms. Look at the forearms. So, so back to that UFC. It was Marcos Rogerio, who was the uh, title holder. And uh, but what was bet what's great about this fight is there was a parlay that Derek Lewis would get the knockout, take his pants off, and hump the canvas. If you had done that parlay, you would have won big, even with five bucks. Well, once again, the alarm clock went off for Tim, and we were already off the UFC. <laughs> hey, no. I had to bring it back. <laughs> the alarm clock went off. Like, oh, we're yeah. talking UFC now. Hey. We, that was 10 minutes ago. Hey, you remember minutes. why he takes his pants off? Whoop, whoop. Why did he take his, why did he take his pants well, off? Do you remember what he said the first time he did it? When Joe Rogan asked this him? Is a, this, is a, this is a children's show, Tim. You can't say that. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Why do you say it? What do you say, Tim? My balls is hot. Wow. Wow. Uh, FCC, what are they called? 
<laughs> what did FCC do? We're going to be in a new them? category. Yeah, yeah, I'm going yeah. to wear my T-shirt next yeah. week. Yeah. When balls is out. Oh, listen, you know what? You, you know what, buddy? You, well, as usual, you crossed the line. Yeah. You crossed the line today, Mark. All right, so uh, Stacy watched a lot of uh, boxing and UFC last weekend. He, uh, he's also had time, uh, you know, for a few other programs. It's time for one of our favorite segments. What are we watching? What are we watching. Brought to you by our friends at Bigger's Mazda. Bigger's. Their sizzling new Elgin location at Randall Road is the biggest Mazda store in the state of Illinois. Bigger's is offering a bottle of Stacy's signature hot sauce with first test drives of new or pre-owned vehicles. It's your choice. Everything from the coolest SUVs to the stunning Miata. So join the fun at 2100 Randall Road in Elgin. Our good friends at Bigger's Mazda. Pick up a bottle of Stacy's signature hot sauce. All right, Stacy, uh, we'll let you start it off. What have you been watching besides uh, boxing and UFC? Well, you know what? I've gone back to my favorite shows. You know, I've, I've watched the Boardwalk Empire to the very end. Now I started, you know, Succession. I did all that to the very end. So now I went back to watch The Sopranos. And I'm binge watching The Sopranos. And I just wanted, I, I, I forgot some of the things that happened in The Sopranos that I had to go back and, and, and try to figure out why this happened, why this was this way. And so at the ending, I got to the ending. And uh, for you people who haven't seen the ending of The Sopranos, uh, you should have seen it already. Yeah, it's been five it, years. It, okay? There's no spoiler. Well, no, there's no spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> so at the end, I wanted to know, like, did Tony Soprano get killed at the end because they were having this big, you know, big uh, gang war with this with, with New York. Right. And so uh, the New York guys, you know, put a hit out on Tony and his crew, and then Tony started wiping out all their guys. And so at the end, he's in, you know, he's in this diner and he's sitting there and he's waiting for, you know, his wife comes in, his son right. AJ comes in. And then he's waiting for his daughter, the last last person coming for dinner. But then there's a guy in a members only jacket, you know, the kind of jacket that Tim wears, you know, in the wintertime. I don't even think I don't even think that they <laughs> they made members only jackets anymore, but he's got one. But there's a guy with a members only jacket with a bad toupee. And um, it was kind of like the, the scene out of The Godfather where, you know, when Michael Corleone had to go kill the police chief in Salazzo and they planted the gun in the bathroom. And it was kind of just like that. And I remember I'm like, man, I didn't even remember that. So the guy goes into the bathroom. He walks past Tony. Tony looks. You know, Tony's always looking for people. Like, he's looking at the guy, and he's, and he's suspicious of, about the guy. But he figures, like, no one's going to whack him with his family there. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. He's in New Jersey, too, so it's not going to happen. Guy goes to the bathroom, and he's in the bathroom for a, a, a while. And then, so his daughter, you know, comes in. You know, she comes in, and a meadow soprano comes in. And as she comes in, he looks up, and then it goes fade to black. That's the thing. A lot of people were unhappy with the end oh, of the Sopranos. But yeah, it just, yeah. it's up to your interpretation. What yeah, you think he, but I read, I read where the guy was his name, Kelly, the uh, whoever the, the director, the writer of that show. Um, they said that, that he died. If it's Kelly, he must have drank seventeen beers. Yeah, seventeen beers. Yeah. <laughs> seventeen <laughs> bottles of beer on the wall. Seventeen bottles of beer. They just couldn't figure out the ending at that point. Yeah, he it, he faded to black, and I think he got killed. Plus, then you know James Gandolfini ended up passing away. Right. And I think they were if had he not passed away, Mark, I think they would have made a movie with him in there, and they would have carried on The Sopranos through that way. But they they shot up all his guys. I mean, they got you know they got Bobby back y'all. He got. Big Bobby got killed, you know, playing with trains. We shouldn't have been playing with trains in the middle of a war. Like, you should be paying attention. And then they got Silvio, <laughs> Silvio, uh, little Stevie Silvio. from um, the uh, from the E Street Band, which is, you know, which is uh, my guy, you know, my, my guy who's a big, uh, big fan of, um, you know, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Shout out to Mike Amaroff. Uh, he loves little Stevie. Right. He's got little Stevie here, too. He's, he came in looking like little Stevie today. <laughs> <laughs> Whispers, what recommendation you got for the folks? Well, I uh, don't watch Annihilation on Netflix, but watch Florida Man. Just started watching that first couple episodes. Really well Who's done. Who's in there? 
Uh, you have Anthony LaPaglia. I don't know any of the other actors. A couple of newbies. We get a lot of promotion on Netflix. I haven't yeah. seen it yet, but yeah, very well done. Great writing. A lot of intrigue. Some mob people. What is it about? Gambling cops. Um, uh, some smuggling. Some uh, fake deaths. A lot of that kind of stuff going on. It's it's well done. Okay. I, dark, I don't want dark comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's definitely some humor in it, but um, yeah, we're we're not going to give away any spoilers here. No, yeah, not. if you want, you want to watch a show that's uh, eerie, kind of on the edge, uh, check out on Apple TV the Crowded Room. Tom Holland, who played Spider Man, oh. is the lead actor in this, and he's he's a multiple personality <sighs> guy. And for the first few episodes, you don't really know that this is all going on because you think there's other characters, but they're all in his head. So yeah. it's it's you know it's really a well done show. Is this the movie? Is this the show that he kind of had to take a break? Yeah, he needed help. Yeah, of yeah. It's really intense. Wow. Yeah, I want to see that. And it's a ten part uh, series on Apple TV. And really well done. Holland does a great job playing the lead character, and really a, a, a good testament to what you know what mental illness can be, and somebody for suffering through this multiple personality disorder. Man, look at him. He's <laughs> <laughs> got multiple personalities. Only, only a few. Oh, just a few, man. 17 bottles of beer. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, we got a happy note to end on before we get out yes. of here. Our good buddy Al Foran, who told us on a recent episode that he and his wife were expecting their second child. Well, the baby girl was born, little Chloe. Chloe! Our congratulations to Al and his wife. And There's the photo if you're ah. watching on YouTube with Al and his bride. And beautiful Chloe there. He's got another daughter, Sophia. So. Nice addition to the family, Al, and I'm sure that uh, you're going to be entertaining the folks again with some brand new impersonations real soon. Always follow Impressionist Al on Twitter because he has free entertainment for you where he does rapid-fire yeah, impersonations. He's, he's, so. he's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. He's a friend of the program. Friend of the program. Friend of the program. So congratulations to Al. And you mentioned Mike. Uh, maybe you can tell the folks uh, how they can take care of their, their transportation needs, Stacey. Windy City Limousine provides championship service. Making a reservation is so easy, it's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure of traffic and get you to your destination in style and on time. Contact us at 847-916-9300. That's 847-916-9300. Or visit WindyCityLimos.com. So a reminder, next week we're going to leave the comfort of our Palatine Travel Studios. Time. We're going to head into the city.